0: Ahoy, ahoy, and welcome to What We Consume, a show about all the things we put into our minds and bodies. I am your host, King Hagathor, and with me as always, though sadly not in person, is...
1: Hey, it's me, Kevin, learning about U.S. geography again, and I was perplexed.
0: What we consume.
1: (laughs) That's about all I got.
0: So, Kevin, we spent the last two weeks talking about the old true crime story of the Bloody Benders, a family of murderers who spent years quietly killing victims who were unfortunate enough to stay at their inn. Unlike most serial killers, their motivation was mostly money, as far as we know. So today, I thought we would take a look at a different kind of financial facilitators of fatality. Hitmen, also known as contract killers, enforcers, or in some cases, assassins. But before we get into that, we need to discuss the difference between hitmen and serial killers, because while there are some that could be considered both, like Richard Kuklinski, hitmen and serial killers tend to be separated. According to Serial Killers and the Phenomenon of Serial Murder by Wilson, Yardley, and Lines, a hitman can be defined as a person who accepts an order, a contract, to kill another human being from someone who is not publicly acknowledged as a legitimate authority regarding legalized, sanctioned killing. Like a soldier or a state executioner. Like they are legally sanctioned to use deadly force. Yes. I'm with you. In other words, the context in which contract killing occurs involves a quote-unquote distance between victim and perpetrator. A distance, moreover, that is not present in conventional murder. Crucially, we also need to acknowledge that the motive, in other words, what is driving the hitman to behave in a certain way, is extrinsic rather than intrinsic. So extrinsic motivations come from outside of the individual to perform an act to gain a desired outcome. The external pressure in this context is most obviously the financial reward given to the hitman for carrying out the hit. But we might also see political or religious beliefs as when a terrorist commits murder in the hope of creating a better political goal as being extrinsic. On the other hand, intrinsic motivations refers to motivations that are driven by an interest or enjoyment in the task itself and does not rely on any external pressures to complete the task. In short, serial killers are intrinsically motivated, while hitmen, terrorists, soldiers, and executioners are extrinsically motivated. Another key difference between serial killers and hitmen, as noted in Blood Money, The Method and Madness of Assassins by R.J. Parker, is that serial killers experience an emotional cooling off period between murders during which time they blend back into their seemingly normal lives in contrast professional hitmen do not experience slash require a cooling off period between their murders because of the unemotional and pragmatic nature of their killings so serial killers tend to kill because they have an urge or a need or a drive to kill hitmen just do it for
1: the money some
0: kind of gain typically financial Okay. So in real life, hitmen range from the highly competent to the barely coherent, like the aforementioned Richard Kuklinski, Tommy Karate Patera, or the organized tr- crime group Murder Inc., as in Murder Incorporated. Is that a Some real thing? Some are well thing? known. At, yeah, that was back in like the 1920s to the 1940s. They were organized hitmen. They were just for various. They mob were just groups. that
1: open about like their name, their branding. They weren't secret about it.
0: I mean, the like, the the name was known, but who was involved was what was kept secret. So, like, people would say, like, contact Murder, Inc., and then, like, through their various channels of communication, they would contact them and hire them for something. But, but like, the cops would only know there's a thing called Murder, Inc. They wouldn't know how to contact them. They wouldn't know who was involved. So... And it, like they would pay off or kill whoever they needed to to ensure that discretion. Okay. And it lasted for a couple, almost a couple of decades before they were taken down.
1: Were they taken down in a bloody fashion or more polit, more uh, lawyery fashion?
0: I think it was a mix of both. Okay. Okay. I didn't, I didn't look too deep into them because I'll probably do an episode on it somewhere <laughs> down the line.
1: You know what I really need to know, King. Hmm. is what's the difference between a hitman and an assassin because you told me to look things up and every person that i looked at i felt like we're an assassin and not just a hitman and that confused me and then i got confused and then i didn't know what you want
0: so in a very simple division of the two a hitman is someone who gets paid to kill whoever the target is an assassin is focused on a target and like typically that's politically or religiously motivated
1: but they can still be a hitman if they're an assassin
0: yeah the the term does kind of get mixed together quite a bit but assassins are typically aiming for high profile like specific targets whereas hitmen are kind of just paid to kill whoever someone wants dead
1: okay then, Some then, are well-known. Then, then are mercenaries hitmen as well?
0: Mercenaries can be hitmen, but mercenaries just a kind of a catch-all term for someone who does jobs for money. They're basically, uh, what do they call it? Um, it's kind of like a gig profession. Like, they're paid a certain amount by whoever to do whatever is asked of them.
1: Okay.
0: So, like, it might be paid to kill somebody it might be they're paid to guard something it might be they're paid to like go collect something like it, it's it's not as specific as hitman or assassin
1: but with hitman so to be a hitman you have to be killing yeah okay then what's a cleaner are, are uh, those clean hitman?
0: um no, I think, I think in that term, the enforcer would be considered the hitman. The cleaner tends to just dispose of the evidence, whether it's cleaning up the bodies, wiping up blood, or, like, burning evidence. Uh, you know, like, the cleaners are supposed to make it not look like it happened, or not look like it happened where it happened, or to somehow just muddy the waters, so...
1: Okay, so... A cleaner can be, or a hitman can also be a cleaner and do the double job, right?
0: Probably. I mean, okay. I mean, it's 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 not as well defined as like you're the cook, you're the like cashier. It's, but like, yeah, that tends to be the differences.
1: These these criminal or the other. these criminal enterprises and assassinhoods need a nice little uh, legend laid out to explain <laughs> what each of their. uh job titles
0: are well that is what makes them organized crime
1: yeah they need to get they need to be a little bit more organized and really write out the descriptions of their job job titles in any case see with something are- like if you if you're like a janitor and you're like a sanitation specialist you know what that is he's cleaning toilets he's mopping he's taking the trash out you know and then then you know, it needs to be more clear
0: okay i'll uh i'll let the murderers know okay some hitmen are well known and widely feared but more often than not those that don't become like well known names or attached to high pro- profile cases tend to be pretty incompetent and easily caught like um in uh, the 70s and 80s there was a lot of people hiring or being hired by like the help wanted section of soldier of fortune like people were just writing in the back of Soldier of Fortune, like, I need someone to take care of my wife. And then, like, cops would be like, oh, well, we'll just take care of this then. I know
1: it's, like, I've heard of Soldier of Fortune before, but I don't, like, I can't put it to my mind to, like, what that actually is. Is that, like, the, like a Yellow Pages type thing?
0: No, it, it was a, a magazine, I believe it was monthly. It might have been quarterly, but I think it was monthly. That was... Essentially just talking about, like, mercenary stuff. Like, either, like, war zones that would be hiring mercenaries or, like, get this new gear. You know, like, this gun or this bulletproof vest or whatever. Like, just... That's why soldier of fortune and mercenary are pretty linked terms is Mm -hmm. because... So, wait. If I wanted to be
1: a mercenary, is there a place that I can go and just, like, sign up?
0: Yeah. Technically. I mean... There is some legal difficulties there these days. It used to be a lot easier. But I mean, there are groups like Blackwater or whatever the fuck they call themselves these days, where it's like a bunch of ex soldiers and they're paid to do quote unquote private security, but it's typically mercenary work.
1: Okay, so I need to. So if you want to do mercenary things, go work for private security that's yeah. not in the country or i guess in the country i don't know i don't know how any of this works again job descriptions people
0: better idea would be to not go do mercenary work
1: Yeah, that would be ideal but if you're really interested make sure they have a good 401k uh,
0: and good life insurance yeah
1: and and health care you know make sure it mark I mean, it hits all the marks if you're going to do it at least get get the, get what you need out of it you know don't don't sheep out. Be like, oh yeah, you got a four hundred one k and uh, you know they, they some life insurance, but they don't provide health insurance. So if you feel like that type of work and really needs health insurance, you know, you maybe get a car. Like you know, maybe they pay for your travel or something like that. Make sure you get it.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> some are well known and widely feared, but more often than not, they're you know pretty incompetent. Media, on the other hand, tends to focus on the quote best of the best whether it's film anime books video games or just news coverage there's this inherent fear associated with well-connected well-funded stalking murderers focused on turning you into a corpse for profit in many cases these hitmen are the big bad antagonist, but perhaps even more often they're the protagonist or in the case of video games they're the playable character like in hitman or the assassin's creed games Sometimes their past catches up to them, like Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction. But perhaps even more often, they uh, turn over a new leaf and get to leave their life of murder behind, like Jules Winfield from Pulp Fiction. So, I've
1: seen Pulp Fiction. Don't remember barely anything about the movie. I should take. I should watch it again.
0: Probably. So, you know, I've already talked about Agent Forty Seven from Hitman, Ezio Auditore. And Altair from Assassin's Creed, Bro, there's along like with all the rest of them. There's
1: like 40 of those games. We can name off some names.
0: Yeah. But then you've got like movies like John Wick, or Leon the Professional, or Wanted, which pretty much everyone in that movie is an assassin, or a hitman. And they, is uh, that the
1: movie where they curve bullets? Yeah. yeah so if you and then become an assassin, you can curve bullets.
0: Yeah. And then you've got the comic books, which technically wanted started as a graphic novel, but uh, you've got the comic book ones like Bullseye from Marvel or Slade Wilson or uh, Deathstroke or um, what's the other one? Deadshot? Yeah, Deadshot. Is the... yeah. He's cool. And then you've got like the ones from more classic movies like The Godfather with Luca Brazzi. The Bride from Kill Bill. Jesus, well, actually... taking
1: everything.
0: Well, I... Alright. Go ahead then.
1: Me? No. Well, what about uh? Do you consider the Jonathan Banks guy from Breaking Bad a hitman or just like is he more of a cleaner?
0: Uh, I don't remember which one Jonathan Banks is because uh, he's,
1: he's the old guy in, in Breaking Bad. He's in Better Call Saul.
0: Oh, the Walter. Yeah, that guy. Um, I don't. I don't know. I feel like he does a lot more than just uh, killing or cleaning, but um, but he he. He's kind of like a jack of all trades. I feel like, yeah, but I'm I'm sure he has done some wet work. You got any others?
1: Let me ask you this: Do you consider the Terminator a hitman or an assassin?
0: I saw that come up on a couple of lists. Uh, You could definitely make the argument that it's uh, an assassin. I wouldn't really call it a hitman because, like, he's. I mean, like. I don't think the robots have any kind of like money or anything but like as an assassin makes sense like he's trying to kill john connor specifically so that like the machines can win so i mean yeah kind of
1: i mean i i, I think he would fall under that you know but i, I was just wondering what you thought about that there... yeah I think the case can be made. To be honest, when I was, like, looking at this and thinking about stuff, for some reason, a lot of things didn't come to my mind, like superheroes or, like, you know, the Terminator, things like that. Like, it was very hard for me to be like, what is what? Like, the TV show, like, Nikita, she's an assassin, but I guess she would technically fall into a hitman as well? Or is she more... I guess Nikita's something else, like...
0: It was something before a TV show, right? I believe it was a movie, but it might have also been either a book or a graphic novel. I, I think it had some literature base before uh, the movie, but I'm not positive.
1: Yeah, and then for some reason, when I was thinking about like superheroes, like I didn't like initially put that they were assassins because in my mind, I just automatically put them as like superheroes, and then I put like good and bad. uh, my mind wasn't breaking them down but there's like a bunch of them because technically the winter soldier at one time the winter soldier is an assassin you i mean Mm -hmm. if you look at black widow and hawkeye they were they both started out as assassins Um,
0: yeah but some of those lists also got weird where (laughs) like they they classify like wolverine as a hitman and like I'm pretty sure he has done that a little bit, but like he was more like a commando or a spy. I I wouldn't classify him as a hitman, although I'm sure he has done that in some of the comics.
1: Yeah, he's very. He's like. He's more. He's not like a cut and dry, like assassin or hitman type person. He's like. He would be very more of like complex like if you looked at if we're talking about black widow specifically like you can look like she grew up in becoming an assassin doing all that the same thing with like hawkeye he joined that became an assassin killed people usually with like wolverine stuff i think there was always like something else behind why he was going to like kill somebody i don't know i i would have to look into it more There probably is some books to where he was just, like, hired to go kill some people, but I don't know, I don't,
0: I don't know. Yeah, but those lists, like, I, I mean, like, I looked at several, and, like, there was also people like James Bond on there, and, like, James Bond has definitely, like, been ordered to go kill someone specific, and, like, he certainly has no problem with, killing people but like you wouldn't call james bond an assassin you'd call him a spy right
1: he's a spy he i wouldn't nobody would classify him as an assassin at all
0: yeah and then like almost every character from fighting games was thrown onto that list mostly just because like some of them are ninjas i mean like ninjas tended to be at least in modern media like are thought of as like assassins or just you know like hired goons but They had, obviously, um, Sub-Zero and Scorpion on there, but they also had, like, Cammy and, um, I think, Chun-Li from Street Fighter. And I'm pretty sure Cammy's a soldier.
1: Yeah, and And, Chun-Li is...
0: I mean, she's a martial artist. I think, at one point, like, her goal is to kill M. Bison, but, like, I wouldn't call her a hitman or an assassin. I'd call her a martial artist. Yeah, I want to... I
1: actually want to look that up.
0: And then they'd throw like Boba Fett on there, and Boba Fett's a bounty yeah, hunter a bounty or a mercenary hunter. first and foremost. He's certain, like, of all like of his jobs, assassin or hitman would not be like top tier, like mercenary or bounty hunter for sure.
1: Yeah, I don't think Chun Li is an assassin. I'm
0: like, I I okay. I mean, in the in the movie, like her only goal is to like infiltrate the tournament to kill M Bison, but like. I don't I don't remember if that lines up with the actual games or not but like yeah she's a martial artist first she's an, an assassin she, second she's
1: an Interpol agent
0: Oh right I forgot about that
1: I mean she is seeking revenge like she's seeking revenge for her father but that yeah. doesn't make her an assassin that just makes her to seek revenge right
0: yeah, I mean, like her her goal is to defeat or kill M Bison, but like, it's it's weird to define her as a hitman or an assassin.
1: That's why they they need to have you know cold cut things about what each of these are. There's a, yeah. I guess when like that's a like I was saying earlier that's a big thing that I had when I was looking up this I didn't know like if you wanted like something that was more directly seen as a uh, hitman, or if they could blend in and be a assassin as well. Yeah. Because everything, it seems like everything can go together.
0: Yeah, but then but then you've got more easily defined ones, like uh, Anton Chigurh from No Country for Old Men, or Martin Blank from Gross Point Blank. Like, those guys are by definition hitmen.
1: Yeah, or the League of Shadows or
0: contract killers.
1: The League of Shadows are by definition assassins.
0: Right. Cuz
1: I think they're also called like the League of Assassins or something. I think there's like a couple of names. Yeah,
0: that's that's
1: they're all assassins. Ray al Ghul, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And like depending on the comic book, they do tend to like get away from the assassining quite a bit for like some obnoxious scheme but but yeah they are first and foremost an order of killers. I
1: think race or the main person like always has some type of like gain that they're trying to go after but his like all of his minions technically are all sent out to assassinate people and that's how they like just I don't know I'm not gonna get into that
0: yeah so like, we, we've we covered a pretty wide variety of, like, media hitmen and assassins, right? And pretty much everyone we listed, almost without fail, is incredibly competent. Like, sometimes to the supernatural with, like, the superheroes or, um, or supervillains or, like, wanted, where they're curving bullets. But, like, even if they're not, like, Agent 47's trotting the globe, like, And, like, taking out high-profile targets, like, depending on how you play, either very messily or, like, completely clean, nobody knows a thing. Like, this person just died, you know?
1: For the most part, in, like, every, like, TV show, comic book, like, every type of, like, media like that, they're all very highly trained and can get in and out of things without any trouble, yeah. And also, they can I mean, there, shoot up like a whole city and like no news on it.
0: Yeah. And then, like, there are, like, there are sometimes the incompetent ones that show up in, like, a Coen Brothers movie or something where, like, they're partially comic relief, but, like, they're kind of bumbling, you know, messing things up as often as, like, they do the job correctly or whatever. But, yeah, for the most part, Hitmen are pretty suave, charismatic, uh, and like very good at their jobs, very competent, right? Yeah. So, with that in mind, I want to talk about one of my favorite true crime cases ever. And I've, I've said this before I'm not nearly as into true crime as I used to be. Uh, I find far too much of the coverage is insensitive or just intentionally or unintentionally glorifying the murder. Like it's like the new Jeffrey Dahmer show? Yeah, uh, that's exactly what I was about to bring up. I haven't watched it, but I have seen the reaction and, like, the amount of people that are sympathizing or, like, voicing their attraction to him is just pretty grim.
1: Yeah, they've just made him more famous, like, people dressing up as him and people, like, I mean, there's a lot of TikToks about it. There's a guy who's literally portraying that, like, eh, you don't, I don't know, I, I don't like it. I didn't watch it because of that.
0: Yeah, I've I've heard the case. That's enough for me. I don't I don't need to delve deeper. But do you think having should, said that do
1: you think there should be a law or like something on if it's a real life serial killer or something like that, they can't re- they can't make a movie or something about him to more make him more famous or something?
0: No. Like I'm I'm okay with freedom of expression, freedom of speech, that kind of thing. Where like I think there are ways you can do it, which are, like, they give, like, they keep the dignity for the victims, they, and, like, they expose things about the subject that, that can be helpful, like, you know, there are things you can learn from looking into serial killer cases about, like, how child abuse and head injuries can lead to problems later in life, you know, or, like, that kind of thing. And I think there are people out there that are doing good work. However, there is the sensationalized aspect of it, and people tend to go for that because, you know, if it bleeds, it leads when it comes to media.
1: That's what you're, so, that's what you're taught in school.
0: Yeah. There are certain stories I find too fascinating not to share, and this happens to be one of them. So without further ado, our main event. So in two thousand six, Susan Kuhnhausen was a five foot four inch, fifty one year old woman who had been an ER nurse for thirty years. She described herself as quote a middle aged woman in horrible form with bad knees. So,
1: like any other middle aged woman,
0: Oof. I I wouldn't say that, Under but plant. yeah, she, she's certainly she's certainly not out of. What I would consider normal for a fifty-year-old yeah. American woman.
1: Fifty-one's pretty young, to be honest. Like as as I've gotten older, like fifty-one's nothing. There's so many fifty-year-olds that can do stuff,
0: and like <laughs> we're closer to that than we are to. Whoa, you know.
1: whoa, 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 whoa! whoa, whoa. Let's, let's let's not go that far.
0: I'm just saying. 18 years prior to that, in eight, in 1988, she had posted a personal ad in the paper. She had been pretty unlucky with love, and at this point she was 33, so she posted this ad, quote, Someone different. Single white fe- female, 33, overweight but not over life, seeks single male who wants more out of a relationship than just, quote, slender. Active healthcare professional, enjoys exploring the Northwest, interested in conversation, good times with people who with someone who is intelligent, thoughtful, and full of humor. Must be emotionally, fiscally mature. If you are seeking a bright, funny lady who is adventurous enough to advertise, then please reply. And then she gives her contact info. I bet she got
1: Even- a lot of replies of well,
0: Most likely. Uh, she. I'm certain she got a few, but eventually this ad led her to meet Michael Kuhnhausen which she described as, quote, getting a good deal on a used car. She had never been married. He had been divorced. That's how she described uh, herself or him? At, at him.
1: <laughs> okay. I, I feel like if anybody described me as getting a good deal on a used car, I, I feel like I would be a little insulted, to be honest.
0: Well, well, she she said this further down the line, and you'll see why she might have some uh, some mixed feelings on him. Okay. So after meeting with the cheeky personal ad, they, met, they uh, went on a date in February of 1988 that included feeding ducks and squirrels, as well as talking about, quote, the deeper things, and he, quote, had a nice voice. Less than a year later, they were headed to Reno to get married. Michael played the slots, and Susan thought that there would be no bigger gamble than marriage. So the marriage started off pretty well, but the honeymoon phase ended soon after and susan quickly became concerned with michael's anxiety aggression and paranoia he became concerned about money even though she was the primary breadwinner as a nurse he and he was a janitor he like was constantly focused on money like how much she was spending how much like she was doing and you know in a marriage like you kind of have to pool resources but like she is making the most money and as far as i can tell like their finances were Fine, like they weren't like going into debt because she was overspending or anything, but he was just always worried about money. His life philosophy was, "quote Life is a shit sandwich, and every day you take another bite until you die."
1: He's not wrong. For some people, there I bet there's a lot of people that think about think of that think of life that way.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, life. Life's not easy for everyone. I am, uh,
1: I'm not one of them. I'm more of a 12 days of Christmas type of person where you have a different cookie each day.
0: <laughs> Alright. Uh, they never had children. He had a few in his prior marriage, but together they never had any, which never bothered them. Or at least Susan claims it never bothered her. But he became aggressive and paranoid about every time she left the house, concerned about every minor purchase, like I said. She noticed a change in her husband. He was getting angrier and had a strange, disturbing look in his eye, even around friends. This was when she decided to file for divorce, which hurt her because she never wanted to be quote a failure at marriage.
1: What? How long were so they together?
0: This, uh, about 17 years. So I think they got divorced in 2005. So
1: she stayed with him 17 years.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know how long the marriage was good uh, okay. before, before like all the you know, paranoia and aggression came out. You, you gotta, but, you, you gotta
1: describe that, that length a little bit more. Cause I was like, man, she got in that marriage real quick. And then she was like, didn't find it, find him out. And then it didn't, she was done in like three months.
0: No, uh, no, she, she was trying to stay committed. Cause like I said, she didn't want to be quote a failure at marriage. Yeah, she wanted to be um, happy.
1: She wanted a husband. I mean, she put an ad in a freaking thing to find it.
0: But I don't know how long their marriage was good Before it started to sour By any case, by 2005 She filed for divorce, which sucked for her During their separation They remained friends He still had access to the house But she was concerned And then on September 6, 2006 Susan had worked a full, normal Nine hour shift at Providence Portland Medical Center She left work and went to the Perfect look hair salon She got her hair done she came home, still in her blue work scrubs, checked her mail, and saw a note from her strange husband saying, quote, Sue, haven't been sleeping, had to get away, went to the beach, love me. And he spelled love, L U V. She went inside, disarmed her alarm, kicked off her shoes, and headed to the bedroom. Perfectly normal so far. Yeah,
1: like any other normal person.
0: Yeah. So when she got to her bedroom, she saw that the blinds were closed and she was usually very consistent with opening them when she left but she assumed she had just forgotten that day and was reassured because her house alarm had been active while she was away suddenly from behind the door came a 5 foot 9 190 pound man just appearing out of the darkness he wore yellow dish gloves and carried a red and black claw hammer he had long graying hair and a beard with the yellow tinge of a chronic smoker his baseball hat kept his hair out of his face for what came next obviously she was she replied with shock who are you what are you doing here get out of here he ran at her swinging the hammer the first striking the side of her head the second blow came crashing into her temple now while the average person could have been killed or at least incapacitated by such a vicious attack fear and adrenaline kept susan not only conscious but on her feet this was a fight for her life and not one she was willing to lose so she had taken some self-defense classes with the other nurses and had been an emergency room nurse for 30 years, giving her the strength and experience with the unexpected and dangerous to let her reflexes take control. Like, an an emergency room nurse has to deal with a lot of shit. Like, like patients that are, you know, like, could be violent or, like, on, like, intoxicated.
1: On drugs.
0: Yeah, but also, like... Even if they're, like, perfectly fine, she has to, like, lift them from yeah. uh, gurney to, like, the bed or, like, the operating table. She has to, like, help, like, help split the ribs open if they're doing, like, heart surgery or something like yeah. that. They have to be able uh, to,
1: like, hold them down if they're, like, something's hurting and they're trying to, like, get off up, up off the bed. They have to learn how to, like, yeah. pin them.
0: Right. So, you know, like, a lot of, like... Unexpected situations and a lot of like quick thinking, you know. With that in mind, immediately she fought for control of the hammer. Like she'd already been hit twice, and I think he strikes her a couple more times, but she crowded him so he couldn't have the room to swing the hammer at full strength. So like she was just like all up in his face. She she took
1: she took she took away his range and got up in there to hit some body shots. Like a box, you know
0: so his grip was strong and she quickly realized that this was not a burglary he made no attempt to ask for safes jewelry or money the look in his eyes made her realize his true intention the only thing he said during the struggle was you're strong with a surprise and excitement that made susan realize one thing he was not here to steal but to kill so she grabbed him by the throat and said to him nose to nose you're not gonna kill me in my own home wow he began to He began to turn blue, and sensing a moment of weakness, she snatched the hammer and began to return what she had been dealt with. The added bonus, she was the daughter of a carpenter, and her dad had taught her, when defending herself, quote, feel free to use a hammer, and use the claw in, because it works the best.
1: Yes, it does.
0: (laughs) Another quote from her, I, I love this woman, she's got the best quotes, quote, when I had control of the hammer, I used the claw in, because it did work the best. I hit him three or four times, and then I lost the hammer, and I ran. So he caught her just a few steps outside of the bathroom. He grabbed her, spun her, and he punched her repeatedly, knocking her down. She saw the phone was close but out of reach. He stood over her, hammer in hand, ready to deliver the killing blow. But fear, rage, and adrenaline forced her to act. She grabbed his leg and pulled him to the ground. She screamed for a neighbor, but her voice was getting weak, as was her strength. She couldn't get the hammer away, so she started biting. Any piece of him she could get in her mouth, she bit. Forearm, wrist, flank, thigh, shoulder, and genitals. If not to survive him, at least to leave a mark police could follow. She tried to grab into his pockets as well for ID, keys, combs, anything she could throw into the next room or like under the bed that in the hopes that if she died, they would know she was a fighter and hopefully they would find evidence to prove who had killed her. So, you know, DNA evidence or like something with his name on it. Like she's she's smart. Incredibly Yeah, not just smart, but, like, incredibly coherent. Like, not only is she fighting for her life, but she's also, like, trying to, uh, like, figure out how to, like, keep fighting even after she gets killed. Like, it's just incredible. But she didn't die that easily. Her quote, When I realized I was never going to ever regain the hammer, it came to me that I needed to become the weapon. I wanted him to be afraid of me, as I was of him. So, she gained the dominant position and administered a rear naked choke, the sleeper hold.
1: Oh my god!
0: <laughs> and while, while choking him, she yelled, Tell me who sent you, and I will call you a fucking ambulance! She relaxed his, her grip enough for him to speak, which he refused to do. Instead, he attempted to roll over and regain control. Knowing that it was her or him, she leaned forward and tightened her grip until he went still. She grabbed the hammer and fled to her neighbor's. Her heart rate was so high she was afraid she was about to have a heart attack. Her neighbor answered and she told him that she'd been fighting and believed she had killed a man. The fight lasted fourteen minutes.
1: Oh my dude. I like if you've never been in a fight or you've never done like a like a one-on-one sport like wrestling or jujitsu or something like that, fourteen straight minutes is insane like your body is done at that point like you, you're beyond done she was just running on straight like adrenaline and like muscles just like tearing apart and just like that is insane amount of time to be fighting anyone
0: yeah if you think of like football players they they push for maybe like 10 seconds and then they stop like in between uh, yeah. uh fucking downs but like 14 minutes is just well, incredible. It's
1: like it's like trying to run a marathon and you're st- like th- th- like you're sprinting the entire time and you cannot stop sprinting. Like if you've never done a combat sport or anything before, your the muscles and things that you're using is totally different type of like endurance and aerobic capacity and like the way that you use your muscles, it's just totally different than anything else that you've ever done. So like 14 minutes, it's, it's like, it's like you've just run three marathons. Like it is insane because the muscles, like the way that you're using your muscles, everything is tight. Everything is going because of the way that you're holding and pressing. It's like, I, I, it's, it's insane. That's a long time for her to like yeah. stay alive. And she's, I guess, 50 at that point. Like yeah, that's, 51. That's insane.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, like, most UFC matches are, like, what, three uh, five-minute rounds? So, like, it's essentially doing an entire UFC match with a guy trying to kill you with a hammer and no breaks.
1: And you have no training. You haven't, like, you haven't trained for years and months to, like, have the capacity to be able to go that long.
0: Yeah, it's, like, it's an insane number. Like, that's just the that's just the power of like adrenaline and fear so it's yeah although <laughs> like a part of me wishes that like he had been like all right all right i'll tell you who sent me call me the ambulance and she's like you're an ambulance and then spits on him <laughs> <laughs> that'd be awesome yeah i do have. Uh, a, so anyways
1: i like huh? I, I wrestled in high school and like yeah. it's so tiring like, uh, there was one time that me and this guy were like locked up at the top and because I was so tired, I was like, Hey dude, are you tired? And he's like, uh, and "He's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, Hey, 15 second break. And we were just like sitting there holding each other, catching our breath. And we're like, you're like, okay, good. Okay. Okay. You catch your breath and I catch mine. And then he's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to count to one, and two, three. And we're going to start again. We went one, two, three. And then we started again. It, it was, it was great.
0: So you basically clenched? Yeah,
1: yeah, we just, like, <laughs> sat there and it was, like, we we're, were breathing, taking a break in the middle of the match. <laughs>
0: Everyone standing there was just, like, "Is I, I, are they... Yeah, What's happening here? <laughs> <laughs> so, she waited with her neighbor on the porch until the police came, using a towel to tend to her wounds. She had, like, a really bad shiner, split lip, and obviously, like, several, like, blows from a hammer to her head. But she was... You know, conscious and coherent. She waited anxiously to know what happened. The police entered her home first to assess the threat. An officer approached her and she asked if her assailant was dead. He confirmed that he was. In an interview after the incident, Susan remarked that, quote, "...I immediately began to think of his family. Everyone was someone who loves them. Children, a wife, a mother, a dad. The worst of this is not that somebody tried to kill me, but that I had to kill someone else to survive." But I have no shame because I did not choose this death for him. I chose my life. I chose life.
1: Well, well, it shows that like she wasn't a psychopath, I guess, or a sociopath. Mm-hmm. She she had feelings and remorse and like cared about other people. Empathy.
0: Yeah, uh, very empathetic for a man who just tried to murder her with a fucking hammer.
1: I got I got to see this woman after after we we're done talking.
0: No. So the next day, Susan was out of the hospital and desperate to check her messages. She found two from her husband. After so many years of living with a man who got angry about the littlest thing, the tiniest purchases, whatever, when she heard his calm voice in the aftermath of the attempted murder, she knew he was behind it. The hitman would later be identified as Edward Dalton Haffey, a 5'9", 59-year-old man weighing 190 pounds, like I said earlier. He was a work friend of her husband, Michael, and a Vietnam vet with a rap sheet. When Susan, accompanied by her friend Helen, returned home to gather her things, Helen noticed a backpack in the basement that did not belong. In the backpack, they found $200 in cash, a container of Hershey syrup, a daybook, a pay stub, and the daybook had an entry, Monday, September 4th, 2006, call Mike. (laughs) <laughs> and Mike's new cell phone number.
1: <laughs> well, bro, why did he have a container
0: of Hershey syrup? <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> who carries her? Like, I don't even do. Who carries around a container of Hershey syrup?
0: Yeah, like that's the only sustenance he had in there. <laughs> also, who
1: brings I... a backpack to a hit?
0: <laughs> yeah, uh...
1: with their notebook in it.
0: <laughs> it's. Like I, like I said, not nearly as competent as they're made out to be in media. <laughs> so the autopsy of Haffy showed he had a near-lethal dose of cocaine in his system when he attacked Susan. He'd also previously pled guilty to conspiracy to commit aggravated murder on March 14, 1994, after the body of his ex-girlfriend, 39-year-old Georgia Lee Dutton, had been found decomposing in the Umqua River. He had spent nine years in Eastern Oregon Correctional Th- Institution until November 3rd, 2003. Eight months later, he was hired by Mike Kuhnhausen to clean the floors of fantasy adult video. During their investigation, so police... M- Michael
1: Kuhnhausen owned hmm? owned an adult video store?
0: No, he worked there right as a there. janitor and oh, hired okay, okay, uh, okay. Happy to help him. So during the investigation, police reviewed financial records and found the following. For one, Mike Kuhnhausen, Michael Kuhnhausen had been skimming money from the joint account he shared with Susan. Enough to hire Ed Hafey for either 5000 or $50,000. i am pretty sure it was 50000 but depending on the sources, that number gets kind of distorted. For a second, on the day of the attack, he drove his gold Dodge Neon to the coast checked into the lincoln city inn with a credit card then drove back to portland and bought a 357 magnum at the silver lining pawn shop for 339 dollars and third he had lost his job weeks earlier you're talking about
1: kuhnhausen right covering up his steps okay
0: well and also like why he decided to do it like he lost his job uh probably didn't want another one See, Susan had named her brother as beneficiary in her will since she and Michael were no longer married, which Michael knew. Uh, he knew he knew that she had named her brother instead of him. But their house was paid off and would be his, all $300,000 of it, in the case of her death. Two days after the attack, Michael left a note at his father's house, where he'd been staying since Susan kicked him out in 2005. The note said, All I ever wanted was to be loved and every time I had it, I fucked it up. After that, he fled. On September 13th, around 10 a.m., a Clackamas County Sheriff deputy stopped Michael in the parking garage of Kaiser Sunnyside Medical Center, where Michael was checking himself in. He told the officer, quote, I have nothing left to live for anymore. They initially put him in involuntary psychiatric hold until they could arrest him for conspiracy to commit murder. The interview with police involved this. Mike. Am I under arrest? Detective Steve Ober. At this point you are, so what I'd like to do is re-advise you to your Miranda rights. Mike, you're not going to believe my side of the story. Detective, why is that? We haven't heard your side of the story. Mike, my side of the story is so fucking off the wall. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, d- I don't know exactly what his story was, but...
1: Did he, did he ever tell his side of the story?
0: Well, initially, he denied knowing Ed Haffey, but police already had the records from adult or from fantasy adult videos. So he changed his story to, quote, I didn't do it just because I know the guy doesn't mean I did anything.
1: Uh, so they, they were like, <laughs> he was trying to tell a story and then he, they were like, we know that you know this guy. Do you know that? And he's like, yeah. uh, I did not. I didn't do
0: it. Exactly. As for the security alarm, security records showed somebody had disabled the alarm. Michael claimed he did it when he dropped off the note about going to the beach and to feed her cats. But he did not let Hafi in, he claims. The alarm was set when Susan arrived home. I mean, pretty easy to guess that, like, he disabled the alarm, left the note, let Hafi in... Turned on the alarm, and then Haffy sat in the basement with his Coke and his Hershey's syrup bottle for yeah.
1: Or he could have. Long. I mean, he could have just gave Haffy the code as
0: well. Well, yes, but he he did go there yeah. uh, to write the note. So, and and I think that was the only time the alarm was disabled. So. Either he wrote the note and gave it to Haffey, oh, oh, and Haffey in their
1: in their thing. Okay, okay, I got you. Yep. I got you. I got you. In the logs.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So an ex uh, an ex cellmate of Haffey claimed that Haffey had asked him to join him in a burglary and insurance scam, and they met with Michael Kuhnhausen, who offered five thousand dollars to kill his wife. See, I think that's where the discrepancy comes in. I think he, I think he offered Haffey fifty thousand, and then when Haffey asked this ex-cellmate to help him out, he either Mike or Haffy offered the ex-cellmate 5,000.
1: Okay.
0: So, you know, like, just a bit of what they were going to make off it. Yeah. The cellmate told him no. Like, I, I, I think the cellmate was in there for, like, some kind of robbery or whatever. And he was like, I I mean, like, I'll, I, I stole, but I'm not going to, like, yeah, if you're not, jump up to murder. If
1: you're not a killer, you're not a killer. That's, like... It's a totally different thing. Just because you're, like, a bad person and do bad things doesn't mean, like, you can kill somebody. That's a whole different yeah. that's a whole different thing.
0: And, and I mean, not all criminals are bad people. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like, whatever his reasons, he decided not to do it, which was a good call on his part. And probably, like, the reason Susan's still alive. Like, there's no way she would have been able to overpower two people.
1: I don't know. She sounds like she could have got it done. I'm going to be honest.
0: That, that's true. I mean, like, she she didn't look it, but she clearly had a ferocity in her when she needed to. Uh, so, yeah, hard to say. But, I mean, two-on-one is very difficult.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: In any case, Michael Kuhnhausen was arrested and sentenced to 10 years in prison for solicitation to commit aggravated murder. Susan said, quote, It's a very humbling thing to know that someone wants you dead, especially after 17 years. It's humbling to know you had to kill a man. She said of her husband later, well, ex-husband, quote, you were willing for me to share your little unhappy life until death death do us part. The sooner the better, it turns out. I've been damaged by what you have done to me. I've been damaged, but I have not been destroyed. She sued him for $1 million. She knew he didn't have it, nor would he ever, but her intention was not to collect, but to ensure he never had enough money to hire anyone to finish the job.
1: That's really smart of her, to be honest. Yeah. I wonder if the lawyer came up with that or if that was, like, her thing.
0: Hard to say. I mean, she's she's a very competent woman. It could have been yeah, her. She, she's uh, a but,
1: nurse, so she's obviously smart. Like, she had to go to nursing school and stuff.
0: Yeah, or it could have been that she was just like, is there anything we can do to make sure he doesn't, like, yeah. you know, just try this again? And the lawyer was like, you could sue him. Yeah, because 10, ten right.
1: years isn't very
0: long. Yeah, uh, and at this point i think haffey was like 9 years old, or 8 years older than her i think i think he was also uh, i think kuhnhausen was also 7 or 8 years older than susan so so i mean like he's approaching 60 by the time yeah. he goes to prison but still like there are plenty of 70 year olds that are very capable of violence yeah, there, or hiring a, someone to do violence
1: there's a couple of spry 70 year olds that i uh, go to the gym with and they, they can get things done. They're running marathons and doing stuff, so...
0: Yeah. So, I don't know if she ever, like, successfully sued him. I know she... Well, I, I know she sued him. I don't know if she, like, won the case or anything. Yeah. A year and a day after the attack, she faced her ex-husband in court telling him... This is one of my favorites. Quote, You took advantage of a desperate person to do a desperate thing. You were too cowardly to do yourself. If I ever ever believed you deserved to be dead i would at least had the balls to kill you myself
1: oh my gosh
0: (laughs) this woman's awesome she's
1: she's like a a, like the quotes that are coming out of her are
0: just golden she's just rattling them off like it's a fucking 80s action movie she
1: wrote a book did she write a book
0: uh not that i know of but um she should have but i i didn't look for that so maybe so, on August 30th, 2007, Michael Kuhnhausen pled guilty to soliciting aggravated murder. Susan changed her name and moved, hoping to escape the ordeal, but as Michael's parole day neared, she feared more violence to come. So, she prepared the best way she could. Her new house had an alarm, she laid gravel around the perimeter to alert her of anyone approaching, she practiced shooting at a nearby range, and she formed an escape plan should it be necessary. Quote, If he came here... He was not going to get close enough to hurt me.
1: I hate that she had to live in fear. That sucks. Yeah, but uh, at least she had a plan.
0: And that gravel, uh, like detail is really interesting because I don't know if I would have thought about that. But say it, like say if, it again.
1: What, what was the it, gravel?
0: So the gravel is just like a perimeter, like a, a like walking path around her house, but like oh. big enough that you can't just like jump it. So like if anyone walked through it, you would hear like the crunch of gravel like it's a very distinct sound so you know that like you know like something like a dog or a deer might not make that much noise but like a person that just casually walks on it you're gonna hear that
1: yeah i I really wonder if she's thinking of all this stuff herself because that's like a crazy detail to think about
0: yeah I, i don't know she's a fascinating person so thankfully, Michael never left prison. While expected to be released September fourteenth, two thousand fourteen, he inde- he instead died Friday the thirteenth, June to uh 2014, 92 days before release of prostate cancer. So uh, there
1: was a little bit of me hoping that he got out, went after her, and she ended up killing him.
0: Just blasted him. <laughs> yeah. I I think I think for her sake it's better that she didn't have yeah. to but but yeah that would have been like the ending to the movie <laughs> yeah.
1: she should sell her rights and be like this is what really happened
0: she she's uh been in a lot of like crime documentaries and like uh like she was on an episode of like how i survived or whatever that show's called i can't remember the exact title of it but yeah. it's something like I oh i shouldn't be alive uh she was on that she's been interviewed on like news several times i think she's been in a couple other documentaries uh which is where i got a lot of these quotes although though the the one about like i would if i thought you deserved to die at least i would have had the balls to do it um myself like she said that in court staring him in the face like from the witness chair
1: oh she's a badass i'm gonna be honest that is that's awesome like you know how cold that is like (laughs) like that's that's awesome
0: yeah, and he uh, like he's just like in his little uh, prison jumpsuit, and he's just like. Rrr. They
1: didn't even give him a, a a suit to wear during his thing. Uh,
0: I think I think this would have been at the sentencing oh, and not okay. at the trial. So, yeah, I don't think you get a suit for that, or it might have been that he couldn't afford it. Yeah, because she, yeah. So I I don't know, but uh, in response to his death, Susan said. Quote, I don't mourn his passing. Instead, I mourn the life he could have had if only he had given his heart to those that loved him.
1: Dang, she's
0: so nice. What? This woman's wild. Yeah. So, since then, Susan has been a victim's advocate, helping to create a website to assist those seeking justice. She's worked with Portland justice programs like Women's Strength and Girl's Strength programs, as well as with the Oregon Crime Victims Law Center. She overcame the odds and and survived.
1: I'm proud of her to be so. honest. I'm going to get her to come talk at my nonprofit for like we're going to have like a thing and we're going to invite a bunch of other nonprofits does she do, does she do talks?
0: Uh I don't know if she still does talks cuz uh it's been a couple of years since I've looked at like anything oh, recent yeah, it's like 2022 isn't it? Yeah. So like most of the stuff that 50, either she was 60. interviewed in or written about her was from around the time of the incident or, like, the next five years after yeah, that. so she would be, like, uh,
1: 67, 68 right now.
0: Yeah, so that's a picture of them, like, around, uh, like, sometime either while they were dating or while they were married.
1: He looks like um, um, the guy from Cheech and Chong in that picture.
0: He does kind of look like a Tommy Chong. Yeah,
1: she looks sweet. She looks kind of like a... Like a sweeter Roseanne.
0: Yeah, that that's kind of fair. She does have that like early nineties. Yeah, haircut. This was uh the scene of the crime, though. I, I would assume most of that's her blood. It uh because like heads and faces bleed a lot. Yeah. But, like from like that looks like that looks like she didn't survive.
1: No, that's a lot. That's a that's a good amount of blood.
0: And then here's a picture of her.
1: Did she ever remarry? Uh,
0: I don't believe so. Oh
1: man. She never got to find her true love
0: so that was her uh, after the incident yeah she's got real bad black eye uh, split lip um, it doesn't show like where the hammer hit because that was on like the side of her head and her temple um, yeah, this is, but, uh, was
1: this directly after it because
0: it, uh, it was probably when she was in the hospital that day
1: I don't know. this I, I don't know the photo makes it look like she's not as bruised as she should be.
0: Yeah, um, this probably would have been the next day or a couple days later, um, and, like, she probably kept the swelling down while she was waiting on the cops, because, like, she had the towel, she probably had an ice pack, too.
1: Yeah, the mark down the side of her face is, like, you can tell that that's something bad.
0: So I'm not sure exactly when that picture was taken, and, uh, and then, let's see if I can find a picture of, yeah, this goon.
1: I feel bad for her
0: that that is the problem with like true crime like i feel i feel bad like finding this entertaining but like it is a very compelling story
1: at least she made it through it and kind of found like a calling is that the guy who attacked her
0: yeah that's ed haffey yeah so you know just, he just um, looks
1: like a plain person how you couldn't you didn't know that he would have been a killer
0: He kind of looks like an ex-biker or something something like that. But But he's just a a
1: chocolate syrup fan.
0: (laughs) And then here's a picture from later in their marriage. Uh, So, an incredible story.
1: He doesn't look happy there.
0: He doesn't look happy in, like, almost all their pictures.
1: Just for money, man. Just for money,
0: I feel like you know that that time in bet- when he's like in prison but is like getting close to getting out and like you you can almost see the montage in your head because it'd be kind of like when um that like 2018 Halloween came out like the a lot of the trailers had like Laurie uh like Jamie Lee Curtis as like you know modern day Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis like shooting the targets and like yeah she um. Uh, all that stuff. Like, I, I kind of feel like it's very similar. Well,
1: that's where they got it from. Her story. It was inspired by Halloween. um I forgot. Is it Halloween Kills?
0: Uh, I think the first one is just called Halloween. Halloween 2018. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: Then it's, then it's Halloween Kills. And it's whatever this new is. they made four out. of them? No, it should just be three. Yeah.
0: Halloween, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends?
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: In any case, like it, it, made me think of that. So I thought this was a pretty, pretty good uh, episode to do. Since next week we're going to be covering the original 1978 Halloween. Yeah. So basically, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween. So
1: basically, you're telling me that hitmen can be incompetent and they're not all very good at what they do.
0: Well, I mean, like there are like, high-profile hitmen uh, and assassins and all that, that, like, the ones that the ones that you think of when you see, like, movies and everything. How um, many hitmen but, get, like,
1: arrested, like, every year
0: or, like, ever? Uh, I don't know numbers, but a lot of them. Like, a lot of the ones that try do because they tend to be... The Ed Hafies of the World.
1: Have we ever gotten leaving like leaving their
0: backpack in the basement have, or whatever? Have we
1: ever gotten like a high profile hitman and he like kind of divulged all of his hits?
0: Yeah, uh, Richard Kuklinski, um Oh yeah. He, Is, he he ended up talking a lot in prison. It's
1: like an old mafia guy, right? Mm-hmm. But has there ever been has there been any like more modern day guys?
0: There have, but off the top of my head, I can't really think of anyone specifically. I just don't
1: think like I see any of this like in the news or media. But I, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think about it. I don't think I've ever heard well, of like an assassin being like captured or anything. But I guess if well, uh, I, I guess if they capture like a hitman or an assassin, like the government kind of probably takes them away somewhere.
0: I mean, it depends. Uh, political assassination tends to not happen, at least not in America uh, as much as it used to, just because there are other, like, quote-unquote cleaner ways to uh, deal with certain issues. Like, there's, like, a lot of the political assassinations we think about are, like, the 60s and 70s, like JFK, uh, Bobby Kennedy, um, Fred Hampton, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X. Like, most of that was in the 60s. Whereas, like, since then there's been, like, either coups or, like, just economic warfare, like, sanctions. Like, they, they tried to, they tried, like, 600 attempts to kill Castro and just failed all of them. Shouldn't it have been um, easy? Huh?
1: Or, like, the U.S. tried to kill Castro 600 times? Yeah. And we never got it done? Nope. We must have not sent the seals in then.
0: Well, no, because we—I mean, there was the Bay of Pigs, but that was mostly Cuban exiles uh, trained by the CIA that just got absolutely. So how do how do demolished. how
1: do we know that we tried to kill him six hundred times?
0: Uh, a lot of those records have come out.
1: And why did it? Ne- why did we never get it done?
0: Because they kept fucking it up. Like they tried to—they tried to make his cigar explode.
1: Why don't they just go like snipe him like Modern Warfare Two and the, or is that no? Like Call of Duty Modern Warfare, when you're in the top of the thing and you you, you snipe the one guy in the car and the cool, the the cool.
0: Be- because it's not a video game and real life tends to be harder. No. Nah. <laughs> they also tried to send a woman down to assassinate him and he and he like called her out on it. He was like. You're not going to kill me. Did he kill? Like what did he, he do to her? He, no, he, he gave her a gun and he was like, you're not going to kill me. And she was like, fuck. No, I'm not. And so then they had sex again.
1: Is that real? That's he, a true story? Yeah,
0: because she was like an ex-lover of his. And so like the CIA was like, hey, we need you to like fuck him again and kill him. She was like, all right. And so she went down there and she was like, but I just like him. Oh, no. But yeah, uh, there there are still assassinations that happen. But like, I mean, a lot of times instead the U.S. will just drone strike someone yeah. instead of instead of like trying to get someone with a sniper in the clock tower or whatever.
1: Yeah, I try not to think about drone strikes and planes coming out of nowhere and dropping missiles. You know, you know
0: like how Afghan kids uh, fear clear skies.
1: Everybody should honestly fear clear skies. At this point in age, I mean, yeah, most countries—we're
0: a little insulated in the Imperial Core, but
1: yeah, most, most. Hey, I'm a rebel.
0: No, you're not. <laughs> all right. Well, not uh, anything American else Empire. to. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> do you have anything else before we get going?
1: I've worked for the Republic. No, that's all. That's all I got. That was a good episode. Okay. Wild Lady.
0: Yeah. Uh, compelling story for sure. Next week, we're going to be, like I said, watching um, John Carpenter's Halloween from 1978. So if anyone wants to like, watch that and get refreshed on it, we'll be talking about that next week.
1: Good times. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, if you want to follow us, follow us on Twitter at what underscore we underscore consume and on Instagram at what we consume podcast.
0: And I'm at King Hagathor on Twitter. Other than that, bye
1: bye!